0: Okay, so this morning, I just, I I really just want to have this discussion uh, about happiness and joy. So um, where we read from in Psalm 42, the psalmist is asking himself that question. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? I remember when I said to someone this week, this was going to be the title of the message, she said to me, oh, that is very obvious. Does God want me, really want us to be happy? And she said, of course, that's a very obvious question. So I said, so why are we not as happy as God wants us to be? Uh, Philippians four, verse four says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Again, I say, rejoice. One thing I like to start off is a bit of a philosophical note. Um, is this concept that we've carried for the last couple? I've had it uh, for the last couple of years, um, where we've tried to distinguish in church or Christian circles between happiness and joy. So, if you've been around long enough, you probably have heard someone say that joy is the spiritual virtue, more or less. And then happiness is just being happy. And you shouldn't worry about being happy. I've kind of heard that taught in one form or the other. And, while I understand the heart with which it is taught, I never really understood where that was coming from. So when I went through scriptures, I couldn't see any difference, as it were, between happiness and joy. I, and I mean, I'm still searching, but I can't find any difference. When the Bible speaks about happiness, about gladness, about cheerfulness, about joy, I can't find any reference like that. So I actually then went to the dictionary during the week, and um, so happiness, one one dictionary says it's an emotional state defined by pleasant or positive emotions ranging from content to intense joy. Um, and I was a bit quicker well, you define happiness with joy. Okay, it's fine. So I checked for joy. Joy is an emotional state of well-being. A state of happiness of felicity. And I realized that, and if you check through dictionaries, you would find that those two things are fairly similar. Um, and so when we discuss emotions, especially for Christians, it's a touchy subject. It's touchy because we have also heard it taught that you don't walk by your feelings, right? And so we, we try and we play down our feelings a lot. But our feelings are like the voice of our soul. And God is the one who created our feelings and our emotions. So we are spirits, we have a soul, we live in a body. So our our emotions are like the voice of our soul. Um, I like to say that your emotional state is like a dashboard. Okay? Um, And you know how when you drive or you sit in a car, you can you can see that's the interpreter for children at the back there, so don't, don't worry. He's just trying to interpret the things to the other children. Uh, don't worry about that. So, when you sit in a car, you know there are lights that come on in the car that tell you what is happening in the engine, right? they I was going to throw shade at someone, but I'm just, I'm just going to resist. I'm growing up. <laughs> because she was nodding like she knew what I was talking about. I was going to say, You don't drive, are you? <laughs> well, foolish! Sure, I'm not going to go there at all today, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to concentrate. Let me concentrate. So, when you're in your car, right, there are lights that come on, right, that tell you something is happening in the engine. You're not in the engine. You should not be in the engine. You will not be in the engine, okay? <laughs> but there are lights that come on, and you don't even have to. You just know, ah this car is overheating. For those of you who don't drive, it means that the temperature of the car is way higher than everything else. And then you see smoke coming out shortly Then you have to pack. And people wonder why your car is overheating. Some some signs come on and tell you, oh wow, your fuel is very low. Um, if you drive more sophisticated cars, sometimes they tell you your tire pressure is this. So there's that dashboard. And if you ever look in the cockpit of a plane, you would see all sorts of fancy things that tell the pilot what's happening. And your emotions and your emotional state is very much like that. It tells you how things are going with your soul. So you should never really disregard your emotions. God did not create your emotions to be disregarded. In fact, the way he created our body and to be able to distinguish between pain and pleasure. And so when you feel pain in your body, It's a signal from your body to you that everything is not all right. Everything is not working the way it was designed to work, right? If someone comes, takes a bottle and breaks it on your head, that pain you feel, is your body communicating to you that the interaction it has just had was not the one it was designed to have. Um, It's John Piper who says that feelings are like the movements of the soul, Uh, I like how the writer of the book of Proverbs says to pay attention to your heart. It says to guard it with all diligence. It's because out of it come the issues of life. So let's start from that understanding that apart from when we want to teach, there's really no difference between joy and happiness. I'm going to come to that in a bit. And this discussion is important because when you look at the statistics about people who are not happy, you are always amazed. We don't have statistics. I don't have statistics for um, depression and severe sadness in Nigeria. But when you look globally, you're always amazed. Um, God is interested in our happiness. God is interested in your gladness, He's interested in your emotional state. He's interested in you being in a place, in an emotional state that is positive. And when you look through scripture, it is, there's too many, there are too many mentions of God being interested in how you are feeling. So help me ask the person next to you, how are you really feeling? Ask them like you care. Don't just ask them, you know, just ask them like you care. How are you really feeling? Because I assure you, that behind the pretty face or the handsome face or whatever, uh, behind the wig or the whatever is on there, there is machinery that's chugging in the background that sometimes we do not know about. Um... I was talking about this whole dichotomy, this difference between happiness and joy. And what it simply was, was we tried to explain how we believe that God has called us as Christians to a higher level of joy. And he has. And so we then said, okay, well, anything you feel that is related to just circumstances is happiness. All right? And so we said, happiness, don't worry about happiness. Just leave it alone. And joy is the real thing. Um, a friend of mine said to me the challenge that she then had was that she couldn't relate to happiness or joy. So we kind of knew we had joy but we didn't know what joy was. We couldn't define it or experience it. We could see people around us happy but we're that in that place where they said, okay, as Christians, you shouldn't really worry about happiness. You should follow joy but we don't know what joy is. So you're neither happy nor, nor joyful. Um, because I'm a pastor and I've been a pastor for a couple of years I've come to the reality that there are a lot of sad Christians and for me that is an irony how does the person who walks with God how is this person who knows God how is the person sad I've come to the reality that there are people who are more sad than they are happy and I know that there might be a couple of people here in fact, I could tell you my story at some point where I was very sad. I would tell that story at some point. So, so uh, when we talk about this today, please don't take it as just something casual. It is, it is a deep, big issue. In fact, two weeks ago when I spoke about uh, lend helplessness, the place where a person is where they don't believe anything they do matters, it's found out, and I found in my experience, that when people are sad, unhappy, we don't have joy in their hearts, it reduces their ability to do the things that they need to do. So, there are different kinds of joy. Fact: um, Psalm 51, verse 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. There are different types of joy, that's a fact. There is the joy of being with family. I mean, not every family interaction is joyful. That's a fact. But there's the joy of being in family. If you're a guy, there is a joy or anybody who's you watch sports or something. There's that joy you feel. I don't know if you ever um, supported a football team before and they won a tournament. There's the joy you feel at the end of the season. You didn't do anything. All you did was pay TV subscription or go somewhere to watch the match and maybe buy a jersey. But for the next two days, you're going oh, we won the cup, we won the cup. You know, you are generous, you are happy. Of course, all the Arsenal fans here don't know what I'm talking about. Just relax. No problem, just relax. That joy will come, by God's grace. <laughs> there's the there's the joy of getting married. When you see those two people on the, you know, walking down the aisle, dancing like they're being paid. That's that joy that's fueling it. Just dancing, and you're like, ah, I know, ah. ah. What? I know this guy, you feminine. Why is he dancing like this? But you know, just dancing as if you know, there's no tomorrow. That's the, there's the joy of finishing an assignment, a project. There's the joy of getting a new job. There are different kinds of joy, but there is the concept the Bible speaks about, calls the joy of the Lord. Yeah, and I'm just gonna, I think that's, that's gonna be where we would, you know, sit today. The joy of the Lord. I like what John Piper is a writer and a Christian theologian. One thing he says, and I wrote it in my notes, he says that Christian joy, the joy of the Lord, is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So it's a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he brings us to a place of realization about who Jesus is. I'm going to explain this very quickly. I mean, I just, I just need to lay all this on the table and you know we'll pull it out one after the other. So for me, I've come to realize that the joy of the Lord doesn't mean you don't feel pain, sorrow, or sadness. That's not what it means. Um, God doesn't promise us as Christians that everything will be good. God doesn't promise us as Christians that everything will be good. He promises us as Christians that all things will work together for our good. And there's a big big difference. And I know that as faith believers, we oftentimes struggle with such a statement. But as the fact, he doesn't... In fact, Jesus says, in this world, you would have a lot of trouble or affliction. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, so, what is this joy of the Lord? What does that mean? Um, I wrote in my notes that the joy of the Lord is the joy that comes from being associated with, loved by, and approved of by the Almighty God. Uh, if I went to the presidential villa tomorrow morning, just to have a personal discussion with the president, himself when i come back i'll probably be a bit joyful right for a couple of days i will make a good i mean i probably would just casually throw it into next sunday sermon how while i was with the president last week you know i'll just make there's a joy that comes from having been that personally close to the president right it doesn't matter what room you were in it's just a joy that comes from <laughs> there's a joy focus guys focus guys <laughs> doesn't matter there's a joy that comes from that association right so the joy of the lord is the joy that comes from being associated with god the joy that comes from being loved by god by of being that god knows me there's that joy that that god lives in me that is the joy of the lord I like how in John 15, 11, Jesus distinguishes. He says, I have told you so that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. I have told you this so that your joy, my joy, the joy of the Lord, will be with you and that your joy may be complete. And, um, or maybe full. And I like to, so I wrote in my notes, The joy of the Lord is what makes all the other happiness, joys in the world. It's what makes them complete. It's where they derive definition from. One thing I need to just encourage someone very quickly is not to settle for no joy at all or no happiness. Anybody who preaches the message of salvation or Christianity to you that is devoid of happiness is not preaching the Bible. Anybody that tells you about God... And doesn't tell you about joy or happiness. It's not preaching the Bible. Or it's not preaching all the truth. And not to also settle for cheap joy. Because there are other sources of joy. I wrote in my note how you know, God seems to be saying to us in this season, let me be your joy. There are other things which can give us joy or happiness. And should give us joy or happiness by the mercy of God. But God Himself wants to be our joy. Um, I, I just want to mention a couple of reasons why your joy or your happiness is very important. Very quickly, one: it is proof that God is working in you. When you read Galatians chapter five and you read about the fruits of the Spirit, you would read there. Apostle Paul clearly states that joy, gladness, or happiness is one of them. So it is proof. But God is working in you. So help me ask the person next to you: Is God working in you? And tell them you should be happy. <laughs> tell them you should be happy now. Don't be <laughs> you jealous. Tell them. <laughs> but it's also proof that you've been in God's presence. Psalm 16, 11 says that in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. If you've been in the presence of a happy person before, you know you come out there with some of that attribute. I mean, there's some very happy people in our church. And to be fair, uh, Felicia, who I so shaded earlier, is a very... I mean, you, you can't be... I call her Sunshine as a nickname. She's she's just like that. She's just, you know, those happy people. Sometimes you're just like, no, what's all this? Why are you? you... It's raining. Oh, wonderful rain. Oh, you know, she's just happy um, um, for good reason. We, we trust God. Okay, and you can't come away from her presence. You know I mean, and in contrast, there are people who you leave their presence, and even if you were happy before, you leave and you're like, ah, I don't even know why. Why I don't know why I even you know you kind of know that. In fact, the next time you know that you shouldn't have. You you most of us have that one friend that when they finish talking to you, you know that virtue has left. You know something has. I'm, I'm not. I'm not joking. And. Proof that you, you communicate with God, because it says in his presence is fullness of joy, is the fact that you are happy. Number three, happiness has a direct impact on your health, your physical health. And the reason is, um, and this Pastor Tune who says it quite a bit, he says, uh, what the mind can't handle, it passes to the body. And so you would hear about things called psychosomatic illnesses. It's it's Proverbs 17 where they speak about the fact that a merry heart does good like medicine. It says, but a broken spirit dries the bone. Uh, Proverbs 15, 13 says, a, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. We read Proverbs 12, 25. It speaks about a heaviness in the heart of a man causes him to stoop. So, what you carry in your heart, happiness, joy, gladness, or not, actually has an impact. And uh, The NKJV of Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. It, it, so, it, there are things which manifest in your body, in your health. Next Sunday, Pastor Godman will talk about physical health and pray. But there are things which have to do directly with how you are doing physically and that comes from your soul. Um, happiness or joy has and goes a long way to determine the outcomes, the quality of your friendships and accomplishments in life. Um, Doors open to people who are happy, and and so we're going to go back to this question: Does God really want me to be happy? Because there's the context in which we are living. Okay. Um, lastly, is that you know the Bible says in Isaiah. says, with joy will you draw out of the wells of salvation. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I loosely say that it seems there's a suggestion there that joy is like a rope with which you draw out of the wells of salvation. So your happiness is extremely important to God extremely important to God. Your happiness, your joy, your gladness, whatever you want to call it, is extremely important to God. And like I said earlier, there are different sources of joy or happiness. And the joy of the Lord is the highest quality. But it doesn't take away from every other joy. In fact, it's the joy of the Lord that makes the joy of family complete. It makes the joy of being accomplished uh, professionally, makes that complete. That's what makes the joy of friendship complete. It's the joy of the Lord that provides completion. Um, And, you know, because Jesus is very clear. When you read John 14, he's very clear. He says, my peace I leave unto you, but not as the world gives. So he's very clear about the fact that there is peace in the world. There are people who are peaceful. You meet people who are not born again, but are relatively peaceful. And they can be peaceful because they just decided, I don't care what happens in this world. I'm just going to live my life. If I don't care what happens. I don't care if I'm rich or not. Anything. So nothing moves them. But Jesus says, the peace I give unto is far bigger. And that's the same thing with joy. So when we think about the fruits of the Spirit, I was telling someone over the weekend, for example, patience. There are people who are patient who are not born again. But there's the patience that comes from God that is superior, longer lasting. Because all sorts of joy end very quickly. Okay, so, so one of the things that, three things, you know, I, I, just quick notes for somebody and it's important, but really make us unhappy. At least in my mind, there are three things, there are probably more than, but three things. One, I am not good enough, or others are better than me. Two, I don't have enough, or others have more than me. Three, I cannot do enough, or others are doing better than me. There's always a hint of comparison when we think about how we are, are doing what we have. And there's a way it plays. There's the internal conversations that we have beyond what people hear on the outside. And sometimes we say, all sorts of stuff has happened to me in my life. And I like that scripture in Psalm 42 we start with because David is then asking himself, his soul. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? So I just want to speak about the joy of the Lord and where I understand it comes from. You know, it's like what I call like the sources of the joy of the Lord. It comes from God. How do we engage it? Because, and we're going to end with that question: Does God really want me to be happy? Um, I think that your ability to serve and walk in love is a big key to experiencing the joy of the Lord. When you read Matthew 25, the story of the talents, he would end the discussion with every servant who had done well by saying, enter into the joy of your master. And I said to myself, it does seem that the closer we are to purpose and to God's design for our lives, the more our capacity to actually generate and experience joy. So, the more you are in that place where you are serving people, where you are blessing lives, because it's all about people in God's mind, where you, are, uh, where you are doing the things God has asked you to do, the more your ability to generate joy. So, the Bible would say of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he enjoyed the cross. If I, when you read through the book of Philippians, you would see Paul speaking about the church, if you read Philippians 4:1, he would call the church and the work he's doing there. He says to them, "You are my crown and my joy." And so there's a way our service, our, our engagement in the lives of other people, allows us to experience the joy of the Lord. In fact, I think it's in um, 1 Thessalonians 2 and19, I think. And it says, "What is our hope? First Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? So I said, you know, our service, the fact that we are engaged in the things that God has called us to do. And, you know, there's a way you can serve God um, or be involved in church and not be able to see the purpose behind the activity of your service. And there's a way you can understand the purpose, but not understand that there are people behind it. And there's a way you can even know that there are people behind it, but not understand that there's God behind those people. And for you to effectively serve, you must understand that there is God behind the people, behind the purpose of the activity that you are involved in. Um, Second thing I'd like to mention about how to experience the joy of God. Is a heart of thanksgiving and a refusal to murmur, complain, or be bitter. Philippians two fourteen to 18 says, Do all these things without complaining or disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in, this, in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. Holding fast the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out like a drink offering in sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For this same reason, you also shall be glad and rejoice with me. And it's about the context. So I know that we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world where there are circumstances. I mean, just living in Nigeria alone should be a bona fide reason not to be happy. If the truth be told. Just living in Lagos sometimes. You are is okay. In fact, when you are happy, people wonder, but well, what is it? What's the prostitution? If you're driving some, when you're driving in traffic and just somebody in their car just singing and dancing, you know, sometimes your mind you're just like, why? What's all this nonsense? Why are you no, what's happy? What's <laughs> What's making you happy? And the ability to Continually thank God and have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude is a huge key to walking in the joy of God. Um, Someone once said, the secret of joy in the hardest of times is understanding the supremacy of the sovereignty of Christ and understanding the supremacy of the sweetness of Christ. Just that confidence that God is at work in my life. Uh, Habakkuk, the prophet says, though the fig tree might not blossom, Habakkuk 3:17 17-19. He says, though there might not be no fruit in the vine, uh, the olive might fail. He says, the field will yield no food. He says, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no head in the stalls, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. There's a way that you position your heart and refuse to complain or murmur Because you know what God is up to. And even if you don't know clearly in detail, you know the one in whom you trust that preserves joy in your heart. Any attempt to walk in ingratitude or to walk in murmuring or complaining will reduce your ability to walk in joy. In fact, Apostle Paul writes what we call or what people call the happiest book in the Bible which is the book of Philippians. If you read most of the uh, prefaces of the book, if you have a study Bible, it will tell you that Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible. He writes that book from the middle of, from a jail cell. From a, he writes it from a cell room. He's, in, he's imprisoned when he writes that book. And so the ability to still generate such is just a heart of thanksgiving and a refusal to be bitter or to mumble. I don't know, I mean, um, you know there's a way you if you if you again if, sorry to use a spot analogy, but there are teams you watch when 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 they're playing and you're kind of very confident that ah don't worry, they will do it. They will do it. to come. You know if you're watching like Barcelona play, sorry ladies, I don't know all of you else watch, you know a, even if they're like three zero down halftime, you, there's a confidence you have that ah tss, it will still come true, no problem. There are other teams which I won't mention so that people don't accost me after service. Even if you are 3-0 up at halftime, you're still like, ah, possibly we can still lose this match. <laughs> okay? And that place where I'm refusing to murmur or complain or grumble, I'm refusing to be provoked into a path of bitterness, that place where I'm confident in God's love and the fact that God has my back as a place that guarantees that I can work in the joy of the Lord. Um, Womi, can you please help me get my iPhone from my office? Because I need to... If Wumi is here, she can I get my iPhone from my office. Okay, it's on my desk. Um, the last thing, and this is the most important one. It's about spending time in God's presence and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There's... There's something that happens as you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There's... It never really leaves you the same. So when the Bible speaks about the fruits of the Spirit, it's not a... How do you put it? It's not... It's not... um, it's not like you become a Christian and you just wake up one morning and you just see, you know, like fruits on a tree and you just see patience and hope hanging down your head and then um, love. I mean, you, can, you know yourself. You've been a Christian for a while and you know that that's not happened yet. There is, and I've, I've tried to look for a phrase to describe this over the last couple of years and I've, I'm running short, but the, the, there's something as we yield our hearts and our spirits to God, there's a place you get to that things, <laughs> things begin to happen. Uh, things begin to drop off. Thank you very much. God bless you. Things begin to drop off and things begin to grow. Um... Bible says in God's presence there is fullness of joy. And says at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God will grow in our lives, in our hearts by the Spirit the fruits that we allow him to grow. Um, I, I know in those days they would say to me, oh, you know, God is, God is a gentle man and that he would not force himself on a person. It's almost like... um, I think that's the perfect word to use for it. It's almost like a... like an explosion that happens when you get to some point, when you mix certain things together. That's the best word I can use for this. The fact that our ability to bring forth joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances comes from, it's not just a magical thing. So don't forget how we started. That there's this, joy is essentially an emotional state. But that there's a place you get to with God that your emotional state is not necessarily defined just by the things that you are going through. So the joy of the Lord does not It does not disguise difficult circumstances. It doesn't even say that difficult circumstances will not happen, but it gives us strength and the ability to see what God is doing. I um, will just read a quote. I, I had this on my phone, so I want to read it. It says, "It's about is that the Holy Spirit dot." Does this walk not magically without my mind being engaged, but by causing me to see the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ? The Spirit gives us eyes to see the beauties of Jesus that call joy up out of our hearts. He says, so says, and he says, when, when Paul writes in Philippians 3 1 to rejoice in the Lord, he says, How do you rejoice in the Lord if you don't know anything about the Lord? How do you rejoice in the Lord if you have not seen the things about the Lord that cause joy to rise up in your heart? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just flip a switch and you rejoice with no mental consent uh, whatsoever. The Holy Spirit given, according to John 16, 14, to glorify Jesus, which means that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of my heart to see the beauty of Christ. And, and so when Joko talked earlier about being filled with the Holy Spirit at Alpha, it's not, a, it's not just one of those things that Christians do. It's where we open our hearts and the Holy Spirit comes upon us like never before. Um, I've shared parts of my story before, and I'll share that as I round up this evening this morning. Um, so, growing up as a young person, because my, as a first child, eh, I didn't need first child, first, first borns, yeah. Any, any of us? God bless all of you. God bless. Huh? Eh? Your husband is a first born? Yeah, that's for your husband <laughs> okay. <laughs> I Okay. Let's move on, I think. <laughs> okay. And as a first born, in my time, there was a lot of experimentation. So you were the one who they tried everything on. So as a firstborn, we would look at everybody else who was in the firstborn years go, you don't know how lucky life, how lucky you are. But as a firstborn, I mean, um, I got experimented with, in a good way. So Because my parents thought I was very smart. So I think from, I have this vague memory of writing common entrance exams from when I was in primary four. And uh, when I was in the university, I think from SS1, I went to write my first jam. For those of you who did not school in Nigeria, you were in the away, jam is the exam we do. You're laughing now. It's the exam we do when we went to entire universities. They didn't allow me to see that result, though, so it must have been bad. By SS2, I did jam again when my mates were playing video games. I did jam again. I can remember the mark. It was 215 out of 300, I think. And I'd also done SSC and GC. And um, I had enough papers, that's what we used to call it, to go into university. So when, but the way timing went, I still had enough time to go into SS3. But the thing was that when I finished my SS3 exams, the next, right next day, I went to university. There was no break. So imagine a 15-and-a-half-year-old boy shows up at university. All his friends are at home, playing, writing, jam. And then you're with your seniors. And even in my class at the time, in school, I was already quiet and young. I was like the youngest in my class. And so the first year of university was horrible. And then, like Emeka so nicely pointed out, many parents are very hands-on when they have to be. But, but they are not the type that follow you around the faculty, trying to onboard. No, no, that's not. No, don't do that. They just drop you and say, "That's where the university is." Go. And I went. Just a summary um, was that the first that first year of university for me was a disaster, and I ended up being terribly sad. You put that side by side with also trying to fight. Um, habits here and there. It was a point in my life where there was very little to be happy about. I mean, there were occasional things. I was happy when I went to play basketball uh, because I played basketball a bit. I was happy. Uh, There were a couple of things to be happy about. But the truth was that I was mostly sad. Um, I probably also... I'll say very shortly that I was depressed. Uh, a lot of transitions. I mean, I got born again. And, you know, it didn't happen overnight. But I realized with time that while I had genuine reasons to be unhappy, while I could feel like the outcomes of my life weren't fair definitely wasn't going in the direction I wanted to go. I wanted to study medicine. I'd always seen myself as a doctor, saving the lives of people. Although now I know that God delivered me and there was no way I would ever be a doctor. I would never have made a... I, I can't... I don't have the constitution to be a doctor. Um, and I think doctors are great people. Most of them. Um... um You see, getting to know God saved me. And um, there are places... There were times in my life when I just thought we should just end everything here and there. But I grew up when Nigerians were not bold enough to commit suicide, so (laughs) I hung in there. There were times in my life when I really couldn't see the point. Uh, There were times in my life when I literally shut down and I wouldn't go for classes... I wasn't, I wasn't a trant. I was a good child. But I just had shut down. But you see, that relationship with God, praying in the Spirit, praying, going to church, letting the fact that God was on my case, I think slowly, you know, it, it just began to birth something in my heart and in my life um, to the point where I can say, Oh, yes, I'm actually happy. I must say this to us. Look, don't use your temperament as an excuse for being unhappy. I'm as melancholic as it comes. I think about the day before it starts and I conclude how the day is. And most of the time, it's not good. Just in the morning, you wake up and say, This is Monday. Oh, this is terrible. That's how melancholic people behave. But your temperament is not bigger than the grace of God, it's not bigger than the nature of God. Um, over the last couple of years, I mean, uh, so what would then happen is, and I would then have cycles of being very sad. But as I walked with God more, I realized that those cycles were far away from each other. And God, you know, the definite things began to happen in my life, and I began to realize, you know, uh, God is not—he's not mad at me; He's actually on my case. You know, I mean, I then got out of school and I began to experience some sort of restoration. I met Okochuku, was my wife. She married, you know, anybody who meets my wife knows I was just a compliment from God because it had nothing to do with me at the time, to be honest. Um, I got a job that was better than my qualifications. I got into church, met wonderful people. Um, my life just evolved. When I look at my children today, the two of them, you know, they have a bit of an accent, small accent like that. They are bright. It's like, I know that, I know they are my children. But <laughs> I know this is the mercy of God. Um, so, So the truth is that God wants you very happy in this world and in the world that is to come. So the one group of people, God is saying, please don't settle for cheap joy. He says, I want to be your joy. I want to be your happiness myself. This is because cheap joy doesn't last. And then you have to keep on paying for it. There are a group of people who have ignored their emotional state for a while. And God says, look, I I gave you your emotions so you can understand how your soul is doing. So you can adapt and respond. So please stop ignoring it. God wants his peace. I'm reading from this because my iPad has gone off. So don't just ignore me. He wants his peace to touch somebody's worry. He wants his love to touch someone's heart. Um. Some of us are in a place where pain and sadness have essentially taken the the air out of our sails and our tires. So we can hear the sound of the engine and it's revving, it's nice, but the car is not going forward as it should. My challenge to us is to spend time in God's presence, to get to the place where the joy of the Lord overshadows any other joy in the world. And I know, I've known Different joys. The joy of having a son, a daughter, the joy of being married, the joy of being approved of, the joy of being successful. But you must get to the place where the joy of knowing God and of God knowing you trumps all these things. Someone says to me, look, how can a Christian be happy in a world that is full of all this hate, all this sadness, sorrow? A world that is full of wickedness, uncertainty, of hardship, of disasters on a daily basis. How can a Christian be, how can a Christian actually be legally happy? How can you be happy? And just want to say that God's joy is an expression of his mercy to us. Um, God is the one who gave us as people the ability to laugh and You know that seeing children laugh is just a wonderful thing. It's you because it's not just the innocence of their laughter as their souls are tickled by things that are wonderful, surprising, and pleasant. And God did not make a mistake. Most of us can laugh. All of us can. Not all the laughter is pleasant, I know, but yeah, we can all laugh. no, No problem. But joy is the reason why we are strong in the middle of all the pain in the world. So Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. In Colossians 1, he would say, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. So, all this my talking back and forth. God is genuinely interested in your happiness. He wants to birth joy in your life that is it is real quality it's not just the joy of uh, money, the joy of a friend no, he wants to complete all that joy for you so your kings, your rulers, your friends can give you joy but that is seasonal God wants to give us the joy that is eternal So material things can give us joy for a short time but God is the one who promises us the water that we drink and we don't thirst again